I'm super thrilled to welcome to the first time to the show Elizabeth Caveney, a partner at Caveney and Kroll. Your reputation precedes you, Elizabeth, not only in the cases you've <laughs> tried and won and fought for people, but Corinne and you know each other. <laughs> yes. Now, Mike Leonard, who was on earlier in yes, the show. Yes, they do. And we had a texture. This is a new record. And we have great lawyers like Corinne and Mike and other people that have joined the show. Yeah, yeah. That was a juror who well, heard you were coming on the show. Okay. And just said, you own the court like no one that this person had seen since Michael Jordan <laughs> as a fighter. And you must... Embrace that, right? That is wonderful to hear. And not only because of the results of the case, but because a juror actually walked away with that kind of experience from sitting in a jury trial. Nobody wants to serve on jury duty. And so for somebody to walk away feeling like, wow, I just saw Michael Jordan (laughs) on a basketball court, that's kind of cool. Yeah, because I mean, obviously your clients know you fight for them because you deal with them on this daily basis, often in some of the worst circumstances of their lives, and you're helping out in emotional cases, which we'll get to, and just, they know that. But for a juror to walk away and go, wait, that lawyer, man. I'm calling her if I ever need her. Yeah, and it's nice because I very often find um, when we're picking a jury at the beginning of the trial that people don't want to, they'll come up with every excuse that they can to get out of jury duty. And I've had so many people come up to me after a really important trial and say that was one of the best experiences of my life. And uh, That's huge. Yeah, it really is. And I really encourage people if they get the opportunity to keep an open mind and try and take the time and try and do that one civil service duty that we have. Yeah. I'm the opposite. I can't wait. I've never been called. Oh. I don't know what I can do to do it. So uh, yeah. I vote. I I know that people say, oh, if you don't vote, maybe they won't get you. That's a lie. I pay my taxes, so I'm fingers crossed. I'll try and get you on the yeah. list. Put <laughs> <laughs> me up to the top. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I asked you this beforehand because I wanted to ask you a question. I ask a lot of personal injury lawyers when they come in here to sure. chat is I think there is this reputation out there. And when people hear the term personal injury lawyer, they think, oh, no. This is someone that isn't really in it for me. They're in it for something else. And I feel like you and other fine personal injury lawyers, that's a that's unfair. And mm. because you are really dealing with people in some of the worst circumstances and you are fighting for them in a situation where no one else will. And if no one does, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I do, actually. And you know what? I think some of it is well-founded. Um, there are plenty of lawyers that, you know, have the reputation of, quote, ambulance chasers mm-hmm. and will just handle any type of case. But there are so many attorneys that are really working hard to try and do good work for people that need it. Um, the vast majority of clients that come in to see me when they first do say, we're not the type to sue. Mm-hmm. But, but this happened to us. And it's not about the money. I don't want this to happen to somebody else. Mm. So, um, you know, it's you never know, kind of like the things that Corinne was talking about. You never know when you're going to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm the kind of lawyer that you hope you never need. <laughs> and if you never do, that's okay by me. Yeah, right? Yeah. That, that means that you, some of the work you've maybe been doing has been paying off, that these companies, these corporations, these other people that you face off against, hopefully are learning some lessons. Yes, absolutely. And I think that lawyers do get a bad rap because a lot of changes in laws happen based on results of litigation and results of case, of cases going to trial. And, you know, 
I'll take a hospital as an example. They might get banged case after case after case for the same kind of situation. For instance, failure to diagnose infection. And all of a sudden, they're taking a really hard look at their infection policies and how are we treating infections and do we have a proper infection protocol. And they're making positive changes, not because they didn't know that they didn't have them, but it's been brought to their attention through litigation that, boy, we have a real hole in our system here. Right. And even if the motivation is we're sick of paying these these claims out, who cares? If if the end result is that they're going to change their practices, that's a victory for everybody. Everybody. Exactly. Exactly. And I see it happen again and again that cases and individuals that I represent that are willing to go forward and do the fight are doing the fight for the greater good and for the greater good of all of us. Yeah, I, I you know, going to broadcast journalism school, we're often taught and it's often often said that journalists are the fourth estate, right? We're the check on the government. Well, if there's room for a fifth estate, I think it's the lit- the, the legal world checking corporations, checking these people that are not following the rules and regulations that have been set forth. And I think it's a, I mean, it plays a huge part in this. Yeah. Let's not forget Abraham Lincoln was a lawyer. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so many <laughs> other great people and presidents and beyond that. Exactly. We we're going to talk a little bit about like mental health issues sure. and um, the opioid um, crisis, you could say, disaster, whatever term you want to use to do this. Yeah. How does that world intersect with what you do? Um, well, the mental health cases have become kind of a niche of mine. You know, I'm a a general personal injury attorney and most of what I do is medical malpractice, all different kinds of medical malpractice. But I had a, um, uh, attempted suicide case years ago and got very interested in mental health issues and how the mentally um, ill are treated in the country. And, um, that's how I get involved is often where there's a case Um, where somebody who is mentally ill has not been treated properly or discharged improperly or not watched while they were in supervision. Um, I had a trial just recently where we obtained a a $5 million verdict for the wife and the surviving two children of a man who was inpatient because of his mental condition and threats that he had made and the police got an involuntary admission against him and he was in the hospital um, under psychiatric watch and was somehow able to get loose, find a hatch, climb up on the roof of a building, jump off and kill himself. Now, the rules at that hospital for that psychiatric ward aren't working. Yeah. That that can't happen. No, that can't happen. That kind of thing can't happen. So um, that's how mental health, you know, I I, I feel passionate about those cases because they're maybe the most vulnerable in our society or one of the classes of the most vulnerable. There are other classes, certainly. I do Mm -hmm. a lot of birth injury litigation and obviously brand new spanking babies or um, babies still in utero waiting to be born are are again in that class as well. There's lots of classes. Um, But those are the cases that I enjoy most where I can really put my heart into it and feel like that was someone that we needed to protect as a society and we failed them. Yeah. And that stigma is changing, I think, a little bit very slowly about mental illness. I think we're becoming a lot more aware of it. But that stigma is still there, not only for the person suffering or that was suffering, 
but for the family too. And I don't think that's something right. that they want to broadcast about what had happened, but they need a fighter as well. And yeah. that fighter in a lot of cases is you. Uh, we're going to take a break. I do want to, in case someone's running out of the car and wants to learn more about everything that uh, you do at uh, Caveney and Kroll, the website is com. That's K-A-V-E-N-Y. K-R-O-L-L.com. That's where people can see all that you guys do, right? Thanks, John. Yeah, we're yeah. going to have more on this uh, and plenty more coming up after this break on WGN. I'm just catching up with my new friend, Elizabeth Caveney. <laughs> You're a joy to chat with because I feel the passion about what you do at Caveney and Kroll. And um, we were just talking about, this is kind of like the end of the story, but that moment when you get justice for someone, whether it helps them out financially or just that sense of relief that something was done about this. Yeah. That's why you do it. Right. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it is, it it is why I do it. It is so rewarding when you take a family or a group of people or an individual when they are at the lowest point of their lives and they feel they're scared, they're hurt um, they're intimidated, whatever it might be. And you take them to not the best place. You can't recover for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a loss of a, a child, certainly they never recover yeah. from that. But you can take them to a place of justice or a place of financial that they don't have to be scared financially anymore. Right. And that is really, really powerful. They never forget you. You are a part of them forever, and you give up a little part of yourself yeah, you to all of them. them. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's emotional. And it is. Emotional cases, we've talked about mental health issues, the opio- opioid crisis, my goodness, has affected countless yeah. millions of families, broken them apart. Yeah. Um, we've lost so many people, and you've had cases dealing with that, too. Yeah, I have. You know, um, for anybody who hasn't watched it yet, watch Dope Sick. I mean, that is fascinating. And so much truth in there about the Sackler family. But, um, you know, a lot of people have asked me about the the opioid settlements that are going on right now between Walgreens and CVS and potentially Walmart. Um, And what happens with all those billions of dollars? It seems like it's just one corporation shifting to another corporation or one huge entity going to another entity. And I, I think the the misconception there is that that money is going to states usually and attorney general's offices. And then, So like and, when the state sues a big company and they win, people think, oh, okay, it's going to the state. What does that have to do with me? Maybe I, my family suffered or whatever. Exactly. But it helps to put in programs for treatment for opioid addiction. It helps to educate. It helps them to then take that money that they got for that settlement and bank it on that particular issue. So it's a way of fighting the harm that was caused. It's circular, Mm -hmm. but it works. So the state takes that money then, and then with that money they're directed or they're supposed to, it's designed for a specific role. Educational programs, treatment programs, commercials. You know, the AG does a great job of making sure that the money goes to reimburse them for um, treatment that they've done and money that they've spent on it, but also future treatment and future education and caring for those that really need it. And it answers the bigger question, a company having to pay out billions of dollars, like we were saying with hospitals, if, if nothing else gets them to reflect on the policies that they had, the damage that was done, and Potentially, even though money shouldn't be the motivation, but we know how the corporate world works, it is, prevents, hopefully, future mistakes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think there 
is such a thing, unfortunately, in this world as corporate greed and um, taking the uh, benefit risk analysis and letting the uh, risk occur in order for the greater benefit of the the almighty dollar for Mm -hmm. corporations and litigation. Uh, trial law and what we do is a way of putting a harness on that and bringing corporations back to justice and back to responsibility because they do do a lot of good things. But corporate greed gets in the way. For sure. We're talking with uh, Elizabeth Caveney, a partner at Caveney and Kroll. Jeff Kroll, who we'll have to meet, you say is a hoot and a half, so uh, we'll have him in there <laughs> as well, both in the same room. Uh, that's a good tease. Uh, I wanted to ask because I think a lot of people there are like clear events in people's mind where they're like i need a personal injury lawyer yeah because i was in a car accident sure you know other things or i a family of a, a plane crash i mean horrific situations but there's i bet there's a majority of cases where people are like wait do i i feel weird asking yeah. what should i do how do how do you advise people about seeking someone out you know i get a lot of calls like that and we're happy to take them all a lot of them we screen out and tell them you don't need a lawyer but you which know, is helpful off- too by the way yes absolutely it is i mean but it's no ne- it's a good question to ask and you should never be afraid to but the test that i use is like you said there are events where it's blatantly obvious that you need an attorney a car accident a plane crash um some type of of an assault um but there's other things and especially in the world of medical malpractice where i spend a lot of my time where you're not sure exactly mm-hmm. what happened you want to trust and you the health providers yeah, right it's a doctor that you've had for years or a hospital that you took your you had your children born at and you're just not really sure and so the test that i encourage people to use is if you tell the story to someone else and they say to you are you kidding me? And by the way, she's giving a look that are you kidding me look. Yeah. Just I want to because I know exactly what you're saying. It's not only are you kidding me, but that closed one are eye, you, cock your head to the you've side. Got to be kidding yes. me. You know, that's, that that can't possibly be true. You're missing test. something. That's the test. That's when you should run it by a lawyer. And that's the test that I use when people come in and clients bring in cases and or call and talk about something that happened and you know what they think happened at a hospital or a malpractice or a doctor's office they tell me the story and if i say to myself oh my god then for me that's something that i want to investigate on behalf of that person there's a chance you're taking that yeah sure i want to know i want to know even if there wasn't something done wrong i want to know what happened Right. I want to understand it. All right. Well, if anyone is thinking to themselves right now that I've got something like that, that someone has cocked their head to the side and said, are you kidding me? <laughs> you need to reach out to Caveney and Kroll, caveneycroll.com, K-A-V-E-N-Y-K-R-O-L-L. You have a number on the website. Is that what you'd like people to guide to? 312-761-KKTL. Yep. 312-761-KKTL. Elizabeth, it was so great to meet you. So nice to meet you too, John. Thank you for having me today. And thanks to everybody out there for listening. We'll chat again soon for sure. Yeah, that's going to do it for Let's Get Legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. I'll be back tomorrow night for Your Money Matters. We got the news and then we got part two of Hamp and OB, the postgame show, after this on WGN.